0: Uh, this morning we're continuing our series church on fire this is how we want to live as a church family those that are passionately following Jesus uh, so we're studying the book of first Thessalonians and today we are in chapter 3 studying verses 6 through 10 so go ahead and open your copy of God's life-giving word to first Thessalonians chapter 3 starting in verse 6 and as you turn there I want you to think about uh, this this idea that life is is a sequence of events. And in life as a sequence of events, many times we are required to wait for news that will either be good or not so good, right? And we understand this as adults, right? I mean, some of you have filed your taxes on time and you are waiting to hopefully hear some good news on your tax returns. Amen. Amen. Come on, help us, Jesus, on those, those taxes. And then, you know, sometimes we're waiting. We've maybe applied for a new job and we're waiting to hear back. Some of you have applied to school or grad school and you're hoping to get into your school of choice and you're waiting to hear back. Uh, we, we sometimes need to wait for medical reports to hear how we're doing physically or that of a loved one and we're waiting for, we're praying good news. Even kids, kids, don't you sometimes ask your parents questions like these? Can I play another game? Any kids ask that sometimes? All the time? Kids, raise your hand if you ask that. Can I play another game? Or what about, can I stay up a little later tonight? Kids, do you ever ask that? Yes, I know you do. And what about, can I have a friend over today? We ask these questions. And every time you ask a question, what do you do? You wait for the answer. And parents, let me encourage us that sometimes because we're busy or we're just doing our thing, that sometimes we barely even think about the question before we give an answer. Amen? You just admitted it in front of your kids. All right? I'm just, I I'm just—I caught you and I caught myself. Uh, so, so, you know, as parents, we need to slow down and really consider what we're answering and even give the why behind the what. Right? Oftentimes we have Valerie's and no, you can't have another snack and no, you can't play again right now. And it's, you know. But it's good to explain the why behind the words as our kids wait for the answer. Well, what we find in 1 Thessalonians 3 is Paul is waiting for news. He's waiting for a report of how the Thessalonian followers of Jesus were doing in their faith. As we've seen, Paul helped bring the gospel to the city of Thessalonica. And he told the people about Jesus. Many believed and started following Jesus. But quickly thereafter, Paul was run out of town under persecution. And so he's carried this weight of concern. How are my friends, my spiritual family, my brothers and sisters in Christ, how are they doing? I've got to know. And so he sends his young protege in the ministry, Timothy, back to them. And we need to remember, hey, this wasn't 21st century, you know, at the time. But this was ancient first century where there was no digital age. There wasn't quick communication. As soon as Timothy landed, he could do a quick FaceTime and let Paul know how they were doing. No, the technology that he depended on to receive the news was what? Two feet. And some sturdy sandals that would walk hundreds of miles back to where Paul was likely in Corinth. And so what is the news? Kids, I hope you'll pay close attention as I read these verses for us. Along with your, your, your parents and guardians. As I read 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, verses 6-10. through This is the report that Paul describes. He says this. But now that Timothy has come to us from you... And has brought us, here it is, listen, the good news, the good news of your faith and love and reported that you always remember us kindly and long to see us as we long to see you. For this reason, brothers and sisters, in all our distress and affliction, we have been comforted about you through your faith. For now we live if you are standing fast in the Lord. For what thanksgiving can we return to God for you for all the joy we feel for your sake before God. As we pray most earnestly night and day that we may see you face to face and supply what is lacking in you your faith. The title of our message for all of you taking notes today, all right? This is life. This is life. And kids, I want you to pay attention to the slide back here. You see this all caps, capital L, capital I, capital F, capital E. This is life. And what do we that that Paul is is saying here, we we see the, the key verse, what I feel is the key verse in this section to really capture how Paul responds to the news that his friends are doing really good in their faith. It's verse eight, all right? Listen to this and follow along as I read this one more time. What does Paul say? He says, for now we live if you are standing fast in the Lord. Now we can understand that Paul is clearly not talking about his physical life or physical health. It is obvious to the Thessalonians that Paul is physically alive if they are receiving a letter that he just penned to them. What Paul is talking about is his spiritual vitality, his spiritual health, his spiritual life. He's saying, if you are doing well spiritually, then I am doing well spiritually. The point that I want you to hear today is this. The heart of a Christian says this. If you're living, I'm living. If you're living, I'm Living. See, Paul's life, think about this in terms of how we care for one another. As we talked about last week, that as we truly care for one another, below the surface, not just like physically, we do care about the physical stuff that like we have shelter over our head and food on the table and our needs are met. And, you know, God is working in these ways in our lives. But, but we want to care below the surface. We want to care enough to care about one another's souls. And so what Paul says here, he says, if you are doing well spiritually, then I am doing well because my life is bound up with your life. How how you are doing affects how I am doing. And if we could have snuck into Paul's home, wherever he was staying in these moments, and we saw him respond to this good news of the report of how his friends were doing what we would have seen is someone who was full of spiritual life. We're not talking about someone who was spiritually dull, but spiritually vibrant. Not someone who was missionally tired, but energized. Not someone whose faith was withering, but someone whose faith was standing strong. Like that tree that I believe Samuel talked about, and like the orchid plant, flower, beautiful that Miss Meg showed you this morning. We're not talking about someone, picture this, perhaps you feel like this sometimes in your spiritual life. We're not talking about someone who is spiritually slouched on the couch, just chilling in life. We're talking about someone whose faith is on two feet. Standing tall, ready to move, ready to take the next step for The glory of God. And this is how we want to live as as Christians. But we need to understand that that we need to extend this kind of care. Not just over our own souls, but over the souls of one another. And so what I want to do this morning as we work our way through these five verses, I want to give you four statements that a Christian can say when the people around us are moving forward in their faith and doing well in Jesus Christ, all right? The first one is this. Your spiritual progress brings me comfort. Your spiritual progress brings me comfort. Now we remember that Paul had been separated from his friends long enough to have a concern that they had faced some challenges that it might have disrupted their faith. That it might to, you know, kids, as you love to play outside and, and you're running as fast as you can, we're, we're made to walk with God. We're even made to run with God. And Paul was concerned that there were some things that might have tripped them up. Have you ever tripped and fallen, kids? You've done that. Me too, right? And so he was afraid that there would have been some things that would have caused them to stumble or fall that would have slowed them down in their progress. And Paul knew that that there were people in Thessalonica that didn't love Jesus that wanted to oppose their faith. He knew as we saw last week in chapter two that Satan, the enemy of our souls, God's greatest spiritual enemy is also opposing us. And he is, as it says in chapter three, verse five, he is tempting us to deviate from God's path for us. And Paul also knew that The Thessalonians, they were just like us, that that they had fallen hearts, that though they had been changed by God's grace, they were still susceptible to the temptations around them. and, And they still had sin in their heart that God was changing and transforming to become more like Jesus. And so Paul was so comforted when he heard the good news, as it says, that they were standing fast. They were still following Jesus with everything they had. And Paul describes it in these ways. He says, first I heard the good news of your faith. And we need to understand, and this is for everyone in the room, also the kids. Listen, when we hear the good news of the gospel, that Jesus lived a perfect life that we could never live on our own. That he died on the cross for our sin that we might have our sins forgiven. And then he rose victorious over death. And he showed that he has the victory over sin and Satan and even death. The Bible says, listen, when we put our trust and faith in Jesus, just like the kids talked about this morning, that we are saved by God's grace. And Ephesians 2, 8, 9 says, this is not a result of our works, Kids, we can never be good enough, we can never do enough good things, and adults need to understand that too. But it's only by God's grace that he forgives us, saves us, makes us alive on the inside, brings us life, and allows us to start the journey of the Christian life. And if you've never done that, whether you are 7-year-old or you're 70 years old, The path to salvation is the same. We admit our need for God. We believe in Jesus. And we commit to follow him all the days of our life. But Paul, as he's talking about their faith, he knows they've started that journey that I just described. That they've placed their faith in Jesus Christ. And so now he's talking about them continuing in their faith. As it says in Colossians Chapter 2, verses 6 and 7, you might want to write this down, kids and adults. Just as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up and established in the faith just as you were taught. Did Did you hear that? Just as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, you keep walking in him. And Paul says, that's what's happening here. This is the good news that they are continuing in their faith. But not just continuing in their faith. They are continuing in their love. Because here's the beautiful reality. When we follow Jesus, Jesus gives us a new heart which enables us, it helps us to love. I wonder who God wants us to love. Kids, can you guys help me out? Do you know the two greatest commandments that Jesus gave Us? What did did Jesus say? First, we are to love. Uh Uh-oh, kids, I didn't hear you. I need you to to be a little louder. We are to love God. That's right. See, these kids know it's awesome. The first and greatest commandment is to love God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. But then the second greatest commandment is, is what? To love your neighbors. That's right, the people around us. Everyone around us. And Paul says, look, you've not only continued in the, your faith, but the way that we can see that you're continuing in your faith is that you love God and you love the people around you. This reminds us of Paul's words in Galatians chapter 5, verse 6, when he says, the only thing that counts when you boil it all down is faith working through love. And Paul sees this and he's fired up about it. It's brought him great comfort, as well as the news that they were longing to see Paul just as Paul was longing to see them face to face. So Paul is so comforted by this news. He says, Your spiritual progress brings me great comfort. When we see each other making progress in the faith, we don't take that for granted, but we say, Thank you, God. Which brings us to our second statement. When we see our friends progressing in their faith, we say this, your spiritual progress brings me gratitude. Your spiritual progress brings me gratitude. Kids, I want to get your attention one more time. When when someone does something nice for you, all right, maybe gives you a popsicle in the summertime, huh? Maybe says something nice to you and gives you a word of encouragement. Maybe, maybe they take you on a special trip, like go to the zoo or something like that, like going to the zoo. What, what have your parents and your guardians taught you to say when someone does something nice to you? What do you say? I heard it. Did you hear that? Thank you. That's right. Because we, we see that they have done something nice and we express our appreciation by saying thank you. And this is, this is how we all live before God, hopefully, all the time. Not just for the physical material blessings as, as important as they are, but especially for the spiritual blessings in our lives. We can see here that Paul puts it in verses 8 and 9. He says, for now we live if you're standing fast in the Lord. And then he, look at what he says. He says, for what thanksgiving can we Return to God for you, for how you were doing in your faith. We can almost wonder if Paul had been meditating on Psalm 116. You can go back and read it, verse 12, when the psalmist says, How can I repay the Lord for all his goodness to me? And we see this, it's almost a debt of gratitude that that Paul is so overwhelmed. He is so thankful that he says, it is impossible for me to express to God in mere words how thankful I am that he is continuing his good work in the lives of my friends. As Gene Green says, I love that name, by the way, Gene Green, scholar, New Testament scholar. He says this, God himself was active within their lives to produce this kind of spiritual tenacity and perseverance even in the midst of so much opposition. And so Paul can say, hey, I can see that you're standing fast. I can see that your faith is continuing. I can see that you love God and love the people around you. But the reason you do is because God is at work in your life. And so the first, first and foremost, I need to give thanks to God because God is doing his good work in you. So I want to share a couple of thoughts here on gratitude. The first is this. The thankful, the thankful person is a humble person. The thankful person is a humble person because what? When, when we express gratitude, we are recognizing that someone, in this case, God, is doing something for us. And it's acknowledging, hey, God, thank you because you are the one that is doing these great things. Sure, you may have used me in the process. Paul could have taken credit, right? He's like, hey, look at these Thessalonians. I taught them so well. I sacrificed. I was such a great example for them. Now they're continuing in the faith. They should be thanking me for how I sacrificed for them. But Paul's not doing that. He's thinking, God, God, you're the one that led me there. You're the one that gave me the power and the, and the and the gifts to share your truth and to point them to Jesus and to show them with my life what it looks like to follow Jesus. And now God, you're doing the same things in them that you've done in me by your grace. I wanna tell you today that, that gratitude should be a regular part of our lives. I hope there's not a day that goes by and I'm just saying that to, to you know, to kind of uh, sound, you know, uh, extravagant. But no, 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 really, that there's not a day that goes by when we don't fail to say thank you to God. I want to give you just a few best practices when it comes to our prayer lives before God and how we can cultivate an attitude of gratitude. No, that wasn't in my notes. I don't even like necessarily saying that, but it just came out, right? An attitude of gratitude, all right? So, so number one, here's a framework for prayer. It's it's the acronym ACTS, A-C-T-S, and we know that there's a book in the Bible called ACTS, and it helps us remember this, okay? The A is for adoration, all right? Kids, I don't expect you to spell that. Your parents can explain it to you later, but here's what you need to know about adoration. When we adore someone, which there's no one we should adore more than God, we are praising him. We are saying, God, you are awesome. You are worthy of my attention and my praise. And so we praise God. Then C is confess. We confess that while God is perfect and holy, there are many, many times that we show that we are not perfect and we are not holy. And that we do deviate from God's plan. And we still sin against God and sin against the people that we love around us. And we say what? God, I'm sorry. I confess that I I did that or I said that and God, forgive me. So we adore God. We praise him. We confess our sin to God. But then T, guess what the T is? Thanksgiving, right? We thank God for all of his blessings in our lives. And then the S is for the word supplication. It just means to ask or make request of God, things that we want to see in ways that we want Him to show up in our lives. And so, so make, make thanksgiving a regular clearly, that's what Paul's doing. He says, day and night, I haven't stopped thanking God for his work in you. And maybe it would be helpful to you, like it's often helpful for me. Every Monday morning when I spend time with God, I spend time reflecting over the weekend and I draw this little stick figure man, I'm not going to describe it to you right now, but, but it's like a, a guy that has this little stone and it's an, a rock of help, like we see in the Old Testament. And what that is showing is that God has been our help. He is working in these ways. God, I just want to give you gratitude for what you are doing in my life, in my family, in my church family, in all of the relationships and ways that we see you at work, and we did this uh, just a few weeks ago in our community group. Here's a, a picture. I wish I had it on the screen for you. Sorry about that. Uh, but you can see we we took some time to you know grab a big post it note, you know about this big, and and we just started our group by saying, "Where do you see God at work? What are some reasons that you are thankful?" And we heard things like this: that that. Uh, people were being physically healed and feeling better that uh, one of the, the kids in our group are doing even better in school that we had been praying for we, we thank God for how our community group was serving together specifically about the Easter egg hunt and how much fun that was we saw that our faith was growing together that it wasn't just one person that was you know, taking steps in their faith, but that God was building all of our faith as we were walking together and seeing answers to prayer and God showing up in different ways in the various people in our group. One person talked about strongholds breaking in their family. Another talked about a child who uh, didn't have a spirit of fear any longer. We saw an amazing prayer answered in one family that that's not, I'm not able to share right now. Uh, we, we saw parents come on Easter Sunday that we uh, wanted to praise God for. And then also many opportunities, four different opportunities where people uh, had opportunities to point other people to Jesus. And, and we could have kept going that night, right? But it's so important to write down and record the ways that God is at work and say, God, thank you. Thank you. Acts, journal, record. And then here's, here's one more. i got to give you one more. We talked last week about caring enough about one another to care for one another's souls. And we said that, that we don't want to live on the surface, but we want to get below the surface in one another's lives. And we said that the way to do that often is just to simply ask a good question and, and listen well. And so here, here's a question you can ask. That I didn't share last week. What are you thankful for? What are you thankful for? And give them time to respond. Give them time to think about it. And then, and then here's another just way to, to express gratitude to God and to care for that person in front of you. Is to not only say, oh, that's nice. But, but guess what? We can actually, and God, give us a spirit of leadership and, and, and boldness even. And most of all, care and love to build up our friends and encourage them that when they tell us what they're thankful for, we not only say, hey, that's great. It's great to say that, by the way. Hey, that's great. But let's pause and let's pray and let's thank God together for what he's doing in your life. Amen. Amen. Come on, church. We got to do that as we love and care for one another. So Paul is saying this is what we can say. Your spiritual progress brings me comfort. Your spiritual progress brings me gratitude. Number three, your spiritual progress brings me joy. Brings me joy. Look at at verse 9. For what thanksgiving can we return to God for you... For all the joy we feel for your sake before God. What what are we talking about when we talk about joy? I know joy is something that kind of... It's easy to understand, it's hard to describe. At least that's how I feel. You can help me out if you, if you disagree, all right? But, uh, but, but I've thought about this a long time. I've studied it quite a bit and tried to read up on the best, you know, scholars and writers as they talk about joy. And, and the, the description I've landed on, all right, this is for the kids, by the way, all right? Joy is our emotional response to a perceived good. That's for the adults, I'm just playing. You guys, you guys aren't. You didn't think I was joking there? All right, I was just joking. So, but, but hopefully adults, you get that. Joy is our emotional response to something that we perceive is good. God's goodness. But here's the way I like to teach kids what joy is. All right, you ready? Titus hopefully knows this, my four-year-old. Okay, joy is when our heart leaps when we experience something good. That's, that's kind of better for the adults too, amen? I, th- I think it is. You didn't say Amen. I think it is. Amen. Amen. All right, some of you do. All right, great. So, so when we experience something good, it causes our hearts to jump. It causes our hearts to leap. It, it causes us to get excited, to be more full of life. And this shows, listen, that, that even Paul talks about our feelings. Did you know that feelings reflect the being of God, that God is an emotional being and he's made us in his image and we have feelings like God has feelings? Amen. Amen. And so, so what, what Paul says, is he says, we feel joy, but that joy that we feel on the inside often has to come out on the outside. And this is what I love. I think this is one of the reasons that Jesus loved kids and he said, hey, let the children come to me. Because if you want to enter the kingdom of heaven and you want to see what the kingdom of heaven is like, you need to spend more time with kids. Because kids, what, they live with a freedom from inhibitions. Kids don't wear the masks that we as adults often put up, right? If kids are disappointed and sad, like, you know it in an instant, right? I mean, they are upset, they are crying, they are frowning. And then on the flip side, if, if they're excited, they're running around screaming, ah, yes, yeah! like... You just know how a kid feels because their feelings are coming out in their physical, verbal expressions. And this is what Paul is doing. He says, I I feel so much joy that even when I pray, even when I come to God again and again and I pray, I have to express all the joy I feel. Notice a few things about the depth and the intensity of Paul's joy here in verse nine. He says that it is all the joy. It's like he's overflowing with this. Isn't like this is a little joy? It's not a momentary joy. This is a massive amount of joy that Paul has because it shows us how much he really loves these people. But then, if, if we look at this verse in what is really a more kind of literal translation, the New American Standard Bible, it says this. Paul says, for what thanks can we offer to God, render to God for you in return for all of the joy we feel, now look at this, with which we rejoice before our God on your account. So, so Paul is immediately being redundant and he's giving us a picture of The joy on the inside coming out on the outside because the joy he feels is the joy that he must express, which is what? Rejoicing. I'm going to read that verse again because maybe you didn't catch what I'm saying. He says, what things can we render to God in return for all the joy with which we rejoice? This helps us understand why writers like C.S. Lewis and John Piper say that praise is joy's consummation. It's joy's completion. In other words, when you're excited about something, when you see that God has done something amazing, and and you want to praise him or you want to thank him, then you have to express that joy, and that brings joy to completion. Not just something you feel on the inside, but something that has to come out on the outside. And then he says, this joy is what we feel before God on your account. So when Paul gets before God, he says, God, thank you. Thank you, God. I rejoice over the steps of faith that they are taking. I rejoice over the way that they are loving the people. Even, yes, their enemies. I rejoice. And I want to share a little bit of just a deeper thought as we reflect on what's happening here. When, When Paul says I rejoice over what is happening, and he is doing this before God. What does this tell us about what God is doing over the progress and faith of the Thessalonians? You follow me? You you tracking? In other words, I'm getting chills right now. God's heart is lit up. God is rejoicing. When his people are taking steps of faith and love, it would be wholly inappropriate for us to rejoice in the presence of God over something God is not rejoicing over. Wow. I mean, go reread Luke chapter 15 when Jesus is teaching about the lost sheep and the lost coin and the lost son. And he says that all of heaven is rejoicing. The angels are rejoicing. The only reason the angels are rejoicing is because they are responding to the joy in the heart of God. And so as we see one another take steps of faith, it should light up our hearts and say, your spiritual progress brings me joy. But then finally, listen to this. We don't stop there. When we come to verse 10, what we see is that we will say this. Whatever I've given, I want to give you more. Whatever I've given, I want to give you more. Look at verse 10. As we pray earnestly, most earnestly night and day, that we may see you face to face and supply what is lacking in your faith? I mean, Paul is serious about this. He knows that life is not a game. The Christian life is not a game. Ministry is not a game. Caring for people's souls is not a game. This is serious. And so when he says these words, we pray most earnestly. He's, the, the word is superabundance. There's an intensity about Paul's prayers. Not only, look, that that he would see them again, but the reason he wants to see them again is that so he can supply what is lacking in their faith. Now let's step back and ask a critical question. How were the Thessalonians doing in their faith? Good or not so good? What do you think? Good. Yes, we just read it right. It's not your question. He received good news about their faith and love. But what Paul understood, what we have to understand, is that the work God started in them was not yet complete. That he had more for them. That there was more for them to learn. But not just more to learn and Bible studies and sermons to absorb. But anything we learn, Jesus says, we are to Live or to live it. And so Paul is, is saying, Hey, I want to, I want to get back with you again because there are things in your faith that you haven't learned yet that you haven't been trained in. And I want to supply that. I want to, I want to keep teaching you the way of Jesus. This this word supply is it's an educational term. Teachers understand that every year, multiple times a year, there's a progress report given, right? And back in the day when I went to school, it was A's and B's and C's and D's and F's. And obviously you want to be on the higher end of that spectrum. But I, I appreciate the way that, that, that educators often give progress reports these days. It will sound something more like this. Beginning, they're beginning to meet the standards, the benchmarks with frequent support. P, they're progressing toward the, the benchmark with occasional support. M, they are meeting the the benchmark and applying the skills with independence. And E, they are exceeding the benchmark by demonstrating a deeper understanding and ability to apply these skills. And Paul is saying, look, in your spiritual journey, when it comes to loving one another, when it comes to, to living out your faith on the daily, when it comes to saying no to sin and yes to the things that reflect the heart of God, When it comes to sharing your faith and and sacrificing your time and your money with a lifestyle of generosity. When it comes to spreading God's mission by serving the people around you and making disciples. He says, I want to see that you're progressing and, and even moving toward exceeding as you follow the way of Jesus. And so as we think about what Paul is expressing here, as we think about his response to their spiritual progress, we can we can see that that Paul's heart is absolutely lit up as he sees them making strides in their faith. And so, my question for you is: Is this how you respond? Do you do you? care about the people around you. Enough to care about their spiritual progress. To say if you are doing well, it brings me comfort because I know that, that there are, are, are all kinds of obstacles coming against your faith. So to see you moving forward, it comforts me. And not only that, but to see you moving forward, it brings me gratitude. I have to thank God for his work in you. And not only that, it brings me joy. But just as much as I am grateful and I rejoice in where you are today, I am saying I love you so much that whatever I've given you to this point, I am ready to give you more. To end our time today, I just want to take a couple of moments. And I want to lead us in a time of prayer. And I want you to actually think about at least one person. It may be two or three or a group of people but I want you to think about someone in your life that is a fellow follower of Jesus, a brother or sister in Christ. And I want you to think about where they are in anything that is good, of spiritual good in their life, the way that you see them following Jesus. I want you to just say thank you to God. I want you to experience the joy of God's heart as you consider where they are in their spiritual journey. So let's take a moment to bow our heads and pray. Let's close out our time in God's word with an act of gratitude and rejoicing over God's good work in those around us. Let's pray. Father, as I look around the room, there are so many reasons that I, as one of the pastors of this church and just a, a brother in the Lord and a friend, can say thank you. God, thank you for the work that you've done in these people. God, thank you for your faithfulness to strengthen them through trials and difficulties. God, thank you for your shield of protection that you've placed around them, Lord. Thank you for the ways you've shown up and provided. God, thank you for the ways that people are growing in their faith and and becoming more like Jesus and inviting other people into the life of Christ. God, for all of these reasons, I say thank you, Lord. And I rejoice over your goodness to us. And so, Father, we ask that this week as we move out, as we live out our faith, that you would help us see the spiritual progress right before our eyes and that that would cause us to pause and turn to you and say thank you and rejoice because of your goodness. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand and let's sing together.